The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 86. Damn, fucking already November. Crazy ass shit. Also election day, but I'm not going to talk about that because I fucking hate talking about politics. I hate hearing about it. I hate watching it. I don't I don't feed into all that negativity fucking man, I, I just stay away from the news. I get what's happening. I understand situations, but I don't want it in my life. Um I will be a much angrier person. I will be less loving. I will not be as good of a husband or a father. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I know if I bring that kind of shit into my life, it will not be good. Um Speaking of positivity, uh, something I just realized the other day was pretty awesome. Uh, with all the people that joined the pandemic contest, everyone was super positive. Fucking even with glitches on the contest and prizes at stake and all that, there wasn't anyone that was negative. There wasn't like because I was seeing most of the. I didn't handle all the messages, but I handled a lot plus feedback on the page. So even when there were problems. Everyone was cool about it. Everyone was positive. Everyone's left great uh, feedback. So thank you to everyone that was like that. I I think that's one of the things that almost stopped me from doing a lot of stuff on social media and even being part of it was just the fear of all that negativity. And because I do see how ugly people can be, uh, you know, in comments on other shit and stuff that they post. But so far, I've been able to avoid that. And which is awesome because I don't want that shit in my life. So thank you to everyone that has been a positive influence and is able to uh, not be an asshole. Good job. Um, let's see what else is going on. So I just yesterday I decided I was going. Well, I didn't decide yesterday, but yesterday I put something out on Facebook asking for and Twitter asking about titles for the new collection I'm putting out. Don't get too excited. It's not very big. Uh, it's just three short stories, and I'm going to include Paying the Price, the non-fiction article I wrote about uh, brain damage and how I've recovered from a lot of mine, hopefully. Well, I know I definitely know I have. Um, so that one, I was testing out titles. Uh, one of the titles was An Unsettling Appetizer. Um, another one was A Little More Mayhem, and the last one was Morsels of Mayhem. I wanted something to just show that this is just a little sampler, um, a little taste of my stuff. I was going to go with a taste of Tullius and just have a picture of my crotch, but my wife said that one wouldn't be good. Uh, my dad also said not to do that. So I'm going to stick with their advice and not go with a taste of Tullius. Uh, but everyone voted yesterday, and the clear winner was Morsels of Mayhem, which is what my sister Mary came up with. So thank you, Mary, for that. Thank you to everyone that voted. Everyone that did vote is getting a free copy as soon as it gets out. Now, the goal with that, um, I just finished stuff last week, uh, had it edited. I really enjoy that story. It's um, ready for, it's a Thanksgiving story. So it's going to be that story, the rules, and which includes graphic violence towards animals and humans. Uh, so if you don't like that, you won't want to check that one out. And 31 Others, the story that's connected to 25 Perfect Days. All three of those I wrote this year. 
I really enjoy all three. I think it'll be a good taste of uh, what I have, you know, of my writing. So, um, yeah, so, but I'm trying to push that to come out on Thanksgiving. Getting the ebook done won't be a problem at all. All I have to do is update paying the price, put it together. That'll only take me like a day or two. The hard part, though, is trying to get the audiobook ready in time. I don't know if that's even possible. I have to put it up on uh, Amazon's KDP today, the ebook, in order to put it out on Audible the next day for auditions. And then I have to find three different narrators. I'm going to go with the, um, the multicast again. I think that makes a world of difference uh, when having an audiobook. Untold Mayhem was saved by that, uh, by having the multicast of narrators. So that's what I'm doing. I already have 31 others narrated. That one's all set, ready to go. I just have to find my three other narrators. Should be pretty quick, and I'm just going to hire people that could get it to me in a week. Audible sucks right now as far as their review time. Um, they're super duper slow. So I'll put it out on there. Who knows when that one will come out, but I'll also put it on Findaway. Generally, they are only a couple days. It doesn't take them long to get that approved. So there's a chance the audiobook will be out for Thanksgiving, but definitely the ebook. So on top of having to get that ready, I still need to, well, I should be doing it today. Should be ordering the print copy of Pandemic Today, um, as well as Beyond Brightside. I was kind of holding off on that, and I shouldn't have because I just realized the printers are going to be super delayed because of COVID and the holidays coming up. So I need to hurry up, get those off today. Then I'll get back the proof and then I will order the pandemic. Well, I'll order copies of both books and send those out. So I have a lot of, uh, a lot of prizes I need to have delivered. The gift cards for the pandemic winners, the face masks, the trying to die face masks, and the different book bundles. But I'm excited about getting those out. Made a lot of cool fans, a lot of cool new friends. So the pandemic contest was definitely a big success for me. Uh, but I would appreciate if there were more reviews left. Thank you to everyone that has left one. But so far there's only one on Amazon and there's four on Goodreads. The Goodreads ones should definitely go up because I am giving uh, doing a giveaway for that and beyond Brightside right now, the ebook. Uh, so we'll see what happens but reviews are crucial so if you ever hear an audiobook of mine that you like or another author's but especially mine or an ebook that you read uh it would mean a lot to get a review on it so i appreciate everyone that does that it definitely makes a big difference um <clears throat> despite having all these uh you know deadlines and everything else i have still been making time to get in little workouts especially in the pool and i've been playing guitar again picking that up this week, I often switch from acoustic to bass to electric. Um, I'm not proficient at any of them by any means. I just, I've just been teaching myself on musician. But I saw on this week that uh, Cowboys from Hell from Pantera came out on musician. So I've been messing around with that. It's a level 5 song, which I can handle on electric guitar. I'm not nailing it yet. Uh, but I really like the level 11 uh, version but on that one, I got to put that shit like at 60% speed. And even that is too fast for me. But I was like, if I keep practicing, I'll get it down. And that's a cool ass song. So if I could get that song down, that would be pretty awesome. Other things I've been doing that aren't writing related are uh, I've been listening to a German audiobook on how to learn German. It's interesting, a different way of learning from what I have been doing. I've been doing a lot of apps. I'd also been doing a little class. 
I don't spend enough time trying to actually learn. I should probably really focus on it. But I do this as a hobby, something that will work my brain. So with this audiobook, though, I've been listening to it whenever I'm cooking breakfast, cooking lunch, cooking dinner. Uh, I'll have like 20 minutes at a time. I should finish it tonight. I think the whole thing is like 12 hours long. But it's pretty amazing how much more I learned, how much more comfortable I feel with the language hearing it like this. So that's been really cool. Um, I might see if there's a second, well, I'm sure there's a second version. This is just for beginners. Uh, but I've been enjoying it. So another good way to work the brain. I realize there's only so much time that I can actually do real work. I need to break it up with things that are good for my mind, good for my body, and that just makes everything stronger. All right, guys, let's get to the story today. So it's another one from Untold Mayhem. I've been trying to decide if I should stick with, I, I think what I'll do, I'll stick with Untold Mayhem, get through all the stories. After that's over, who knows what we'll go to. I don't know if we're going to go to Beyond Brightside or not. I really love that audiobook. The only problem with that is people that aren't listening every single week, if they come in on Chapter 5, I don't know if they're going to want to go back. And so it kind of sucks for them. I might just stick with short stories. So we'll see. We'll see how many I have and what else is coming out. Um, maybe we'll do the Try Not to Die Super High or in the pandemic. Maybe we'll, Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we'll do Try Not to Die in the pandemic. The audiobook is being recorded as we speak. So... And speaking of trying to die super high, I should be having a talk with Steve Montgomery today. I just cleaned up his first four chapters. They're right on. They just need a final edit. And I'm hoping he'll have me, give me the rest this week um, because I want to knock it out this month. This month, I just want to focus on trying to die super high and my brain book a little bit. And then December, I'll try to finish the brain book and move on to trying to die uh, in the Wild West or whatever we're calling it. That book has already been done. Well, a first draft of that has been done by John Polisano. And now I just have to go back over and rewrite it or, or whatever else. I don't even know what kind of shape it's in. I'm sure it's in good shape. I don't know how much work is ahead of me. But it'll probably be at least a couple months. Uh, pandemic, I think we spent about five months total on. And, fuck, one of these days I've got to get to the bridge. I almost jumped on that, uh, which is part two of the Messiah uh, five-book series. I was going to jump on that last week, and then I realized, I was like, fuck, I still need to do super high. So I have a lot of shit cut out for me, but it's motivating. Like, that's what I need. I need I need just to keep going, just to keep working. I want to produce a lot. Um, I've already, so Beyond Brightside is going to be book four this year. And granted, the Try Not to Dies are smaller. They're only like forty to 45,000 words, like half of a book. But I've got four out this year, and then the little sampler is going to be my fifth thing putting out which is not bad for a year where I've had to spend so much time, you know, dealing with the family, taking care of them, um, being stuck at home. So no excuses, people. All right. This story that we're going to be playing today is The Hole. It is one of the first stories I ever wrote, I think. I'm not sure exactly. And I always questioned it. It was, it was always a really long story. Um, I kind of thought maybe it was too boring and I've reworked it a couple times. I think when I first wrote it, it was third person, but, uh, what's kind of cool about it is it came about in the story that you'll see that the guy is a boxer living in Las Vegas. I wrote it when I was a boxer living in Las Vegas with head injuries. And, uh, there was also a hole in my house, which I scared my first wife about telling her that a little man lived under there. 
So when you're reading that, you might appreciate it a little bit more. All right, guys. So I'm going to wrap this up, leave you with the whole. Thanks again for watching. Hope you enjoy the story, and I will talk to you next week. Later. The Hole It was nine in the evening when we got the keys to our new home. I was exhausted from sparring, and we weren't moving in for another month. But Haley said she just had to see it. Haley ran around the first floor and bounded up the staircase, calling for me to follow. I nearly told her I was too tired and that she should hurry up, but her beautiful brown eyes were shimmering with excitement. After verifying the upstairs rooms were exactly as they'd been at the final walkthrough five days before, I persuaded her to go downstairs. I was halfway out the door when Haley opened the closet and peered inside. Tony, what's that hole doing there? I tried to hide my impatience. I'd mentioned the hole to her during the walkthrough. Don't worry about it. Haley pouted. You're mad at me. No, just hungry and tired. She closed the closet and said, Sorry, it just doesn't look like it should be there. Do you know what it's for? I had no idea why the jagged-edged two-foot-by-two-foot hole was carved into the back wall of the closet. I figured the previous owner must have done it because it didn't look like the work of a professional. It was more like the handiwork of a drunken, chainsaw-wielding midget or an animal that clawed its way through. Haley thought I knew everything about everything, but I didn't know the first thing concerning a house. Electrical, mechanical, all that stuff was foreign to me. I knew how to knock people out and how to break things, not fix them. Knowing that I shouldn't, I matter-of-factly told her, the agent said that's how the bloodthirsty beast that lives under the house gets out. Haley slapped my shoulder. Why'd you say that? She whined. I'm never going to sleep here by myself. You're such a jerk sometimes. Relax, babe. I was just joking around. Well, it's not funny. Yeah, it is. Look, there was no monster living under the house. It was obviously a joke. Don't patronize me. I'm not a child. Then think like an adult, I said, my impatience getting the best of me. There's nothing to be afraid of. I know, but you shouldn't have said that. Last time you scared me, I almost wet myself. I laughed, but stopped when she teared up. I hugged her and said, I really am sorry, babe. I'll cover up the hole, and you'll never have to worry about it again. Haley settled down. I don't like being by myself, especially in a big house like this. Plus, you're always out of town for your fights. She wiped a bead of perspiration off my forehead. Why are you sweating so much? It's too damn hot in here. I set the AC for 68 degrees, but haven't felt anything coming out of the vents. Remind me to call about it if it's not working tomorrow. And yet another expense. Nah, the home warranty will cover it. You ready to go? I'll turn off the lights. I said, moving toward the kitchen before she objected. I was turning off the kitchen lights when the front door opened and closed. A noise came from the other room. I crept toward the hallway, knowing it had to be Haley hoping to scare me. I paused at the refrigerator when a muffled shuffle came from around the corner. I leapt into the hallway and yelled. No one was there. The hallway was empty. I felt foolish standing there with my arms above my head like an enraged bear. I was extra sensitive to the verbal slip-ups, tongue twisters, and slurred speech I'd been experiencing, and didn't want to even consider I might have imagined it. That's probably why it was so easy for me to write it off as being a new house noise that I had to adjust to. We moved into the house four weeks later with our motley crew of fur babies. Duke, our 13-year-old deaf and dying golden retriever, Rollo, our obscenely obese cat, and his skinny sister, Hoppity, who was missing her right rear leg. 
Tired from a long day of moving, but wanting to start off our life in the house right, I turned off the lights and carried Haley up the stairs and laid her on the bed. I thought Haley was going to kiss me, but out of nowhere she asked, You covered up that hole, right? What hole? The one in the downstairs closet. When I hesitated, she said, Tony, you promised. It'll be fine. Haley sat up. What does that mean? Did you cover it or not? I rolled over and turned my back to her. What it means is I'm really freaking tired and it doesn't need to be covered right now. You promised. I got out of bed. Why can't you just let it go? Is it too much to ask to enjoy the night? Forget it then. Do it tomorrow. I mumbled. No, I promised. I'm up now anyway. I left the room and stood in the dark hallway. I couldn't find the light switch and yelled, Where's the goddamn flashlight? Next to the fridge, she snapped. I headed down the stairs, one hand on the handrail, the other dragging against the wall. At the bottom, I reached out for the light switch on the wall in front of me. A loud, piercing shriek sliced through the silence. I jerked my foot back and fell to the floor. I grabbed my right wrist that was already throbbing. Goddamn cat! The bedroom light flashed on and Haley appeared in the doorway. What happened? Are you okay? I got up and headed for the kitchen to get an ice pack. I better be. That could have been my career. The next day, Haley worked at the animal hospital until 7, and I spent time at the physical therapist rehabilitating my wrist and doing some light conditioning. When she got home, I turned up the television. I didn't want her asking about the hole, which I'd only covered with a piece of cardboard. Neither one of us said a word until after dinner, when Haley asked, Mind if I turn the air back on? It's on. Care if I turn the thermostat down then? It's hot in here. I was in the recliner, wearing nothing but my boxers and wrist brace. I feel fine. I didn't ask how you felt. Haley stormed up the stairs. She returned a minute later and stood in front of the television. Having it set at 85 isn't exactly what I would describe as having the air on. I set it at 76 before I left for rehab. Are you sure you read it right? It's digital? I guess I didn't set it for 76. I said, hoping she would believe my lie. I was positive I had. Saturdays were usually spent sparring, but since I couldn't train, I told Haley I was hers for the day. We did lunch at Haley's favorite restaurant, took in a chick flick, got her a new purse, and finished it with dinner at In-N-Out. When we got home, it was time to feed the kids. The second the can opener started to buzz, Hoppity came sliding in, rubbing against Haley's calves, meowing for her to hurry. Rollo, however, was nowhere to be seen. The 20-pound cat never missed a meal. Haley dished the food onto a paper plate, and I scouted the house, calling for Fat Cat. He wasn't downstairs, wasn't in the guest rooms, the office, or the bedroom. I changed into boxers and headed back for the stairs. When I passed the thermostat, the air conditioner was turned off and the temperature was 84 degrees. I switched it back on and set it for 68. I joined Haley, who was relaxing on the couch, and asked her, Did Rollo come out? Nope. He wasn't upstairs? I didn't see him. Maybe he's in the garage. I doubt it. I don't think he can make it through that kitty door. We both laughed at the thought of our obese cat sticking halfway through the swinging door. I asked, By the way, did you happen to turn off the air before we left? No. Wasn't it on? I shook my head. I'm going to call that repair guy out here again. It's two days in a row the thing screwed up. What do you think's wrong with it? I had no idea, but I was a macho idiot that didn't want my wife to know that. 
Before realizing what a mistake I was making, I blurted out, Maybe the little monster under the house prefers the heat. Damn it, Tony! She leapt off the couch and headed upstairs. I told you not to say stuff like that. That night I had trouble sleeping because of the pain in my wrist. I woke around two to a noise downstairs. I listened carefully, but all I could hear was Hoppity, who was curled up against my head, purring loudly. I placed her by my feet and recognized the familiar sound of nails tapping on the tiled floor below. I was drifting back to sleep when a terrifying thought got me out of bed. It hadn't been Duke downstairs. He had to stay upstairs with us, locked in the master bathroom by a baby gate because of his bladder problem. The gate was still up and Duke was spread out on the shower floor. At the doorway, I peered into the darkness, straining to hear anything out of the ordinary. There was complete silence, not even the air conditioner blasting air through the vents. I flipped on the hallway lights and checked the thermostat. The temperature setting had somehow leapt from 65 to 85, but the current temperature was 67. The settings had changed in the past couple of minutes, right about the time I had heard the noise. After resetting the thermostat to 70 degrees, I forced myself to check the house. A 200-pound professional athlete spooked by a strange noise and screwy central air system. I'd seen clips of cats and dogs turning doorknobs, hitting light switches, and even flipping on televisions. Rollo had slept on the table the day we moved in. It wasn't difficult to picture him stretching up and placing a paw on one of the touchpads that adjusted the temperature. But to turn off the AC, Rollo would have had to pull the lower part of the casing down and then push the switch to the right. Not even the most talented cat in the world could pull that off. I understood that the switch had to be manipulated by someone or something. I picked up the table beneath it and set it in the office before going back to bed. When I woke the next morning, Haley was already at church. I ate my breakfast downstairs and noticed the house was uncomfortably warm. I set my half-eaten bowl of oatmeal on top of the refrigerator so the cats wouldn't get into it and headed upstairs. The air conditioner was off and the current temperature was 84 degrees. The table, back underneath. Haley must have not cared for my redecorating. I set the air for 70 and went down to finish breakfast. With nothing else to do, I went into the garage and gathered a few small pieces of plywood a hammer and some nails. I hated my hesitation standing outside the closet. I stepped inside the closet and found myself standing on the piece of cardboard I had covered the hole with. The suction from the door opening must have pulled the cardboard from the wall. There was still no sign of Rollo. So I got a can of cat food, peeled back the lid, and called for him. Confident he wasn't in the walls of the house, I banged the nails into the plywood. Twenty minutes later, Haley came home. The scowl on her face telling me that the sermon was not about forgiveness. From my spot on the couch, I asked, How was church? She set her purse on the dining room table and didn't say a word. Look, I'm really sorry about last night. Can't we just forget about that? No, we can't just forget about it. Don't you see? I can't forget about it. Why do you think I tell you not to joke about these sorts of things? It's because I can't get the thoughts out of my head once they're in there. You know what I dreamt about last night? I'll give you one guess. I'm sorry. All I could think about was this tiny little demon that lives under the house and comes out at night when we sleep. I know it's silly and irrational, but I could barely sleep, and now I feel lousy. I didn't mean for that to happen. This is our first home, and we're supposed to be enjoying it. And you shouldn't feel stupid for thinking about my joke. I freak myself out, too. She shook her head. You scared yourself? Sort of. A little. 
I guess. Don't tell my friends, I said with a smile. I even nailed the hole up while you were gone. <sighs> That's nice to know, but you were supposed to have done that a couple of days ago. By the way, did you happen to move that table under the thermostat this morning? Haley gave me a strange look. From where? You didn't touch it? Haley walked into the kitchen. No, why? Is something wrong with it? She shouted. Maybe our little friend under the house moved it. I didn't detect any malice in her voice, but I wish I could have seen her face. At first I thought she was trying to make peace and show me she could take a joke. But then everything started to make sense. Haley had been paying me back since the day we moved in, playing a sick practical joke on me. She was changing the thermostat settings to get me worked up, and now moving the table to really get me going. I felt like a fool for covering up the hole and admitting I was freaked out. I waited for her to come back and laugh at me. But she didn't. Maybe she was planning on taking it further and making me look even more stupid. I didn't care because I would be ready for it. That night, I slept incredibly well. Except for the dream with clicking on the floor downstairs, it was the best sleep I had had all week. After Haley left for work in the morning, I checked the closet. At first glance, everything looked normal, except the plywood looked loose. The top corners of the board pulled right out from the wall like someone had removed it and then carefully put it back in. I pushed the board back against the wall, thinking either I had seriously underestimated Haley's practical joking skills or I was going completely insane. That night in my sparring session, I took a tremendous left hook to my temple that put me on the canvas. My third concussion in a month. Even after resting at the gym for an hour, the intense pounding in my head made it hard for me to think, and I had a difficult time driving home. Haley saw I was in serious pain and helped me up the stairs and into bed, where I quickly fell asleep. A loud thud woke me from my sleep at three. I asked Haley if she'd heard something, but she didn't answer. I reached out for her, but she wasn't there. I sat up, ignoring my pounding head, and looked around the room. Duke lay in the shower, and Hoppity was curled between my legs, but Haley was nowhere to be seen. I rolled over to Haley's side and pulled out the 12-inch designer knife from under the mattress. Something scampered down the stairs. I rushed into the hallway, hurried down the stairs in time to see something at the bottom turn the corner toward the kitchen. It was too dark to make out, but it looked too big to be Rolo. My head thudded like it was ready to crack, but I didn't let it slow me down. A door slammed shut. A second later, I flipped on the downstairs hallway light and ripped open the closet door. The closet was empty, the loose plywood lying on the floor. Maybe Haley had placed it like that on purpose, but even if she had, what did I see running down the stairs? I heard it, too. It couldn't be a hallucination brought on by my head trauma. It was real. My head hurt so bad I could barely stand. I backed out of there and sat in the hallway, propped against the door. I set the knife down and called Haley's name. No response. The entire house silent. I wanted to get up and look for her, but I couldn't move. Part of me was too afraid to leave the door unguarded, and the other part thought Haley could be hiding nearby, waiting to jump out and laugh at my cowardice. The rumble of the garage door got me to my feet, amplifying the pressure in my head. I staggered into the garage and wiped the tears from my eyes. Haley stepped out of her Nissan. She was in her work scrubs, which didn't make sense considering the time. I asked, where were you? I was worried sick. Dr. Lawson called at one for an emergency C-section. You didn't hear the phone and I didn't want to wake you, so I left a note on your nightstand. We headed inside where I wiggled in front of Haley to block her view of the knife on the ground. Haley headed upstairs, pausing at the top. She continued towards the bedroom and said, 
I hope you plan on cleaning that up in the morning. I trudged upstairs and saw that the potted plant that normally sat on the table beneath the thermostat lay shattered on the ground, dirt scattered all over the carpet. The thud that woke me. I scooped up as much dirt as possible, then got into bed with Haley and listened to her play-by-play -play of the Doberman's surgery. I finally broke away by saying I was thirsty and wanted to get a glass of water. Being thirsty was a lie, but I needed to retrieve the knife. It was proof of how scared I was when she was gone. She'd love that one. When I got downstairs, the knife wasn't in front of the closet. It hadn't been kicked into the kitchen. It was nowhere to be seen, and Haley hadn't left my sight since she came home. Combined with the headache, it was all too much to handle. I went upstairs and made sure Duke and Hoppity were both in the bedroom. As quietly as I could, I locked the door and climbed into bed. When I woke at 10 o'clock, my headache wasn't as severe, but it still hurt. I rolled over to ask Haley for some aspirin, but she wasn't in the bed or the room. There was something on her nightstand, though. The knife. Haley must have found it. I went downstairs to ask her and found a note stating she was at work. I called her work and got only coldness when she asked, What do you want? I was just calling to see what time you were coming home. I was surprised you had to go in so early. Look, Tony, I'm really busy and can't talk right now. I'll be home by five. She hung up before I had a chance to ask her about the knife. I considered calling her back, but figured I'd better not. Besides, she must have put it back. One of the animals had probably pushed the knife into the kitchen, and Haley had found it. I'd had enough of the hole, even if it was just my imagination. It was time to seal it up for good. I locked Hoppity and Duke in the bedroom, then went into the closet to check one last time for Rollo, who had now been missing for nearly three days. It was hard to see anything, but the flashlight reflected off something in the far corner. I thought it resembled the small bell from Rollo's collar, but the eye strain brought back my headache and blurred my vision. After calling one last time for Rollo, I bricked up the hole and nailed a bedsheet over it to cover my less-than-perfect work. Haley would question why I resorted to such an extreme measure, and the last thing I needed was for her to complain about its appearance. Finally, I installed a sturdy padlock to ensure the door couldn't be opened from the inside or outside without the key. Haley wouldn't like the looks of the new addition but I'd worry about that later. I walked around the outside of the house, searching for vents or openings to the crawl space beneath the house. There weren't any in the backyard, so I headed to the front and heard my name being called. My neighbor across the street waved. I walked over and shook his hand. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. You are Tony the Destroyer de Monte, aren't you? I was just on the verge of becoming famous, and it was still a surprise when people recognized me. I said, guilty as charged. It's a pleasure to meet you. I just saw you tear apart Johnson in May. Let me tell you, you're going to be one hell of a boxer. Thank you, Mr... Oh, it's Warner. But please, call me Jack. Well, Jack, it's nice meeting you. You're the first neighbor I've met since we moved in. Jack's smile faded. You live there? Yeah, my wife and I bought it about a month ago, but we just moved in this week. We got a great deal on the place. So, Jack hesitated. How do you guys like living there? To tell you the truth, I really don't care for it all that much. I like the neighborhood, but not the house. Jack seemed uneasy. He said, It's getting pretty hot out here. Why don't you come on in and have something cold to drink? We can talk more. I followed him into his house. When I walked out an hour later, I was quite shaken up. I wondered if it was possible Haley had convinced this nice old man to get in on the practical joke and help scare me. 
Despite having strong reservations, Jack told me about the bad luck that had plagued the four families who had lived there in the past five years. I listened to the stories of runaway pets, abducted children, and spouses that picked up and left without notice. In such a hurry, they left all their belongings behind. One or two of the stories happening would have been understandable, but how could so much misfortune happen in one place? I didn't believe in the supernatural, but I did believe in statistics. Something was wrong with that house, and we were moving out of it, regardless of the financial loss. Maybe we'd even be able to sue the broker for keeping the house's history from us. My real estate agent's number was on the fridge. I grabbed my cell and was about to call her when I noticed the missed call and voicemail notification. I wiped the sweat off my forehead and retrieved the message. It was Haley. Hi, honey. Just calling to say sorry about earlier. I didn't mean to be so rude. I'm just tired. Promise I'll make it up to you later. I'm taking off now, so I'll see you in 20 minutes. Love you, babe. The timestamp revealed that she'd called just minutes after I stepped outside. I ran to the garage and saw Haley's car. She wasn't on the lower level, so I headed upstairs. I glanced at the thermostat that was set for 90 degrees, the highest setting. I sprinted downstairs and tried to pull open the closet, forgetting I had locked it. I pulled the padlock key from my pocket and fumbled with the lock, ripped the bedsheet off the wall. Everything was exactly as I had left it. Maybe Haley had gone for a walk or was tanning in the backyard. She'd barely left the house except to work or shop, but neither had I before today. Maybe this was part of her joke. I splashed water on my face in the bathroom and peered into the mirror, unsurprised that I looked as awful as I had felt. If I was going mad, would I be sane enough to realize it? Something caught my eye in the lower corner of the mirror. I spun around and collapsed to the floor, in front of the dark hole that had been freshly carved into the wall. My lawyer said that when the police found me, I was balled up on the bathroom floor, wailing like a newborn baby. The drops of Haley's blood on the floor and the bloodstains that they formed on my jeans weren't enough to convict me of my wife's murder. Her bare bones, which they found neatly piled behind the brick wall I had built, were, however. A lot of people say I should have gotten the death penalty. I agree with them. That would have been the humane thing to do. But they won't give me the injection because of my mental state. That evil little bastard got me good. Not only did it kill my wife, it pinned it on me. It made it so I have to replay it over and over again for the rest of my life in this nuthouse. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.